Welcome to ArchiSpeak, a fortnightly podcast about all things architecture. My name is Evan Troxell, and I'm one of your hosts along with Neil Pan and Cormac Phelan. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in the profession of architecture? Have you ever worked with an architect? Have you ever wanted to be an architect? Maybe you're in school and don't know what you're getting yourself into, or perhaps you know exactly what it's like because you've been working in the profession for a long time, and you know that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Or maybe, just maybe, you're planning on changing the world. Join us as we have a casual conversation about our passion, architecture. It's time for some Archispeak. Welcome to episode 90 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. This is another special episode recorded this time on May 20th from the AIA convention in Philadelphia and sponsored by RCAT. RCAT is an online resource for all of your building product needs. Visit them at the AIA convention booth 3401 or online at arcat.com. So once again, we're coming to you from our mobile studio in downtown Philadelphia on the second full day of the AIA convention. I think first up we had um, the keynote this morning, right guys? Yeah, the keynote was was great. I I felt like it was great. I don't know if everybody thought it was great who was there because I think it was a little out there for some people. Who 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 gave the keynote? Neri Oxman, who we talked a little bit about yesterday, and she is the director, I think she's the director, director of, at the out at the MIT Media Lab um, yes. of the mediated matter portion of it, which seems like that's a little bit of a you know, I'm sure they have different groups within the media lab, but anyway, she uh, she gave the the keynote address, and after several awards were given, and they talked about some different things this morning, um, she delivered a, a great, inspiring speech. I thought it was very passionate. I mean, we can get to that in a minute. Why don't we talk yeah. about the other stuff that actually the, came before that? The trailers that led up to the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to put it. All right, so uh, let's see. Robert Ivey and Russ Davidson, again, kind of tag-teamed the intro of today's festivities. And one of the first things that they talked about was the new 2016 I Look Up Film Challenge. And they kind of whet our appetite to get people excited about that film challenge, which is a, a competition that they ran last year, and they're running it again this year. So there's some definitely cool prizes involved which you can look up on ilookup.org. And I'm going to read a little bit of the intro of basically what it is. It's the I Look Up Challenge calls upon filmmakers to share their vision with a two- to three-minute video exploring the power of architecture to create solutions and uplift communities. There you go. And uh, so what they did was they showed a quick two- to three-minute video that, uh, of course, featured the rural studio, War Eagle. And, of course... I'm just like getting goosebumps and chills because they're showing my school and in my studio and, and just people that I know that are so passionate about architecture. So it was really kind of good to see that. If you guys just go to ilookup.org, watch the video, that's that's what they're shooting for. They've got a lot of cash prizes and a lot of uh, the winners would will go to a lot of the different film festivals around the country, New York, Los Angeles, South by Southwest. And depending on your level of um, award, uh, they'll fly you and you'll get to participate in all of them or just one of each of them. So it's a it's it's a good prize package, actually. Yeah, pretty substantial. And I obviously the goal is to get the word out about architecture yeah. through film and through yeah. storytelling. And 
and the compelling story that they showed with uh, Rural Studio about Hale County, Alabama, uh, what in the town that they're working in. I mean, it really starts to tell an emotional story about right. architecture, and it really seems like that's a no-brainer. That's really what they're shooting for, trying to get films made about like that kind of a thing where they're showing how architecture can affect the environment and the people that use it. Right. So after they announced that, they handed out the Whitney M. Young Jr. Award. This year it went to R. Stephen Lewis for advocating and mentoring minority architects of color. And he gave a really nice speech. I thought yeah, it, it was, was it was well done and kind of touching. You know, he talked about his, his dad, who was an architect before him, and what his dad taught him, and, and then what he's done with his two partners and what they've been able to accomplish. So it seemed well-deserved. Oh, absolutely. After the Whitney M. Young Jr. Award, they talked about the 25-year award, which is for a project. And this year, that went to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which we were just there when we went to a Monterey Design Conference. Uh, Neil and I stopped in there and walked around, and it was kind of cool to see like all of the little kids engaging all of the different programs and stuff like that. And it's an amazing it, place. Absolutely. And what an amazing site. And what's amazing to me, watching the little video that they did, again, a really compelling video. It was more documentary style, kind of talking about DHDD uh, and how they worked with client. And this was back in the 80s, but it was an amazingly complex building. Uh, all of the things that they were trying to solve and keep it flexible for the future. They knew that they were building a 100-year building, and yeah. they knew that they had to design it in such a way that the building could transform over all that time, but still infrastructurally not rot out, right? right. And, and so right. it's one of those buildings that is timeless because of the way that the architecture responds to its context. Yeah, and when I was out there, obviously it was the first time I've ever seen it. So I was uh, I didn't honestly get or feel that it was a 25-year-old building. Yeah. Um, although, didn't you say that you went on class trips there before? Yeah, my son and I um, actually, uh, when he was in Cub Scouts, actually got to spend the night down there and uh, sleep with the in the large room with the sharks. Oh, that's awesome! So this, was sleeping this, with the fishes, sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> that, in fact, I think that was the title of it or something. Uh, the trip. Um, it's an amazing building. It was actually the very first time I had been there, and we were very fortunate because um, there was only maybe a hundred scouts um, in the entire building. And um, from what I understand, that it, it's a pretty packed place every time you go there. And there's multiple yeah. levels of people deep to see everything. And so we were there running around for a couple hours, you know, the whole night, uh, basically being able to see whatever we wanted and having nobody in line. Like so, playing zombie apocalypse with, yeah. with sharks. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> it, it, it's, um, that was my first time there, actually. Um, and even though I live not far from it, but pretty amazing place. And, and I had no idea that um, of some of the infrastructure type things and challenges. I mean, the, the building is right on the water. Yeah. And over. It's water. over the water. Right. Yeah. It's so, um, and, and the work that they do there is just incredible for the, the sea life and the marine life uh, in the yeah. area and, and worldwide studying. Yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty funny when the, the architect mentioned that in the main tank, it's living kelp, not plastic kelp, <laughs> which it, you see at many aquariums that you go to. So it really does kind of set the standard, I think. For, Absolutely. For, for aquariums. But so. the pirate's treasure chest, that was fake. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that when I was there. 
So a great, great uh, acceptance of that award. I, the the speech that was given was a little, little weird. I, again, this is kind of what I felt last year. It it seems too plastic. It wasn't like just an off the cuff speech. It was obviously very prepared and kind of just read. And I didn't feel like that was as well delivered as it could have been. From there, we went on to Neri Oxman, who delivered the keynote speech for the day. And in contrast to yesterday's keynote speech with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, no contest. It was really well delivered. It was very appropriate for a lot of people in the room. I won't say that there was everybody in the room there was, was totally into it, but it was definitely something that I walked away feeling like Man, to have her passion for what she's doing, oh, absolutely. it's contagious. And that was that was a cool thing to experience. I, I will say that, you know, I saw a lot of blank faces that didn't quite get it, didn't quite understand it. And I think in, after having a conversation with a couple of people afterwards, I, I think that what they were missing, and, and I'll be, I'll put myself with that, is that you know, a lot of times we're so bogged down with the now and the immediate of what we're doing that we didn't quite see the transition from now her research is out there. I mean, it's it very is, future. It is very she, future. She it mentioned is, that. She said, she goes, you guys are, are doing what you're doing now. Yeah. I am only concerned about the future. And and I, and I think what they were looking for was the connection between where they are now and where she is. And it, and to be quite honest with you, I made I made the connection between or the analogy using the movie uh, Tomorrowland. So Tomorrowland, you know, they zapped into the future and you know, or this you know future dimension. And in the future dimension, they're standing on a bridge that's being three D printed. Right. Well, the way that she was presenting some of her work automatically reminded me of that. And it, so to me, it did kind of trigger. She's starting to look at things that sci-fi and movie directors and stuff are looking at as like these way way in the future type things as a practical application for what she's researching so i can see the connection i'm not quite sure a lot of the people there saw the connection as well what the interesting thing is it's not just theory it is reality and they are actually doing this stuff right now and I think that it was great that she kept re- trying to relate it to architecture. Yes. She yeah. kept trying to relate it to materials, concrete, she brought up quite a few times. Um, what was interesting about what she was presenting uh, was really about how they can develop and 3D print. It was really a lot around 3D print, either either synthetic or natural. And by natural 3D printing, she actually is relating to using bees and silkworms. They're trying to kind of control behavior so that they can actually control how things get built through the natural environment, designing with nature, they called it. And uh, so she still kind of called that 3D printing, even though it's a natural process. Right. Um, but the, the level of detail at which they're doing that, they're relating back to how the tools that we use to analyze things structurally, fluid dynamics analysis, all of these tools, these digital tools that we have and the resolution at which they can actually analyze things is a way higher resolution than anything we can actually build things at, right? Until now. And that's really what she's saying is now they actually have the tools that can build things at the resolution that we can analyze them. And this is something that I experienced last year at Autodesk University where they're running these routines to analyze things for structural 
uh, you know, pathways that loads go. Right. They're talking about the way that fluids go. They're talking about concrete, uh, where she mentioned, you know, what if you could actually 3D print a building based on these analyses where you do really porous concrete in areas where you don't need it to be high strength, and then you do it in very dense areas where you need it only. And so having that level of control is going to take our structural abilities to the next level. And so I thought it was cool that she kept relating it back to architecture, even though they're not doing it architecturally. Right. They're doing it with lots of different materials that are going to lead to it really right. informing how we use it architecturally. And, and that's why, you know, using like the Tomorrowland analogy, they're showing the transition. Yes, it is a fantasy movie and sci-fi, but name, you can like yeah. name virtually everything yeah. that we have now was fantasy and sci-fi back then. Look at Arthur, and, Arthur C. Clarke, yeah. look at Stanley Kubrick, look at all these things where you look at these these ideas that happened in the 50s and 60s in their reality today and it's the same thing with this exactly and so and i and so i think i can see the transition between the two and i and i hope a lot of people understood and you know came away with the same kind of uh, understanding and kind of appreciation i mean be, you know dedication the dedication that she has towards this research i mean if if half of our profession had the same type of uh, dedication my God, we could yeah. rule the world. And she is an architect, so she's yeah. definitely thinking about it from with, with that same type of a mindset. Oh, yeah. I think what was really interesting was she was thinking of this leading down a path where the systems are all built from a single material. Right. Which is really interesting. She's showing examples where structure and skin are built from the same material. And so... As one fluid as, element as one element yeah, yeah. and she she actually called it you know a single homogeneous element can be a building with variation in all properties like an organism but it's no longer an assembly of parts it's right. a single homogeneous element yeah she was talking about how this could translate you've got different like depths of nozzles and pressures and stuff for transparencies for thickness for structure versus you know skin i mean it was actually really cool to like see that because you know, we you know when we'll get to it but you know walking around looking at the city and all of the different structures and layering and everything they're you know they're complicated yeah and you know the research that she's doing almost takes the complication out of it and makes it a fluid form and she talked about like pompadou center right imagine oh. that instead of an assembly of parts as a single piece. Yeah. And that's just to give you kind of a mental picture of the type of thing that she was talking about. So anyway, I walked away very inspired from that. I felt like it was, it was cool because I'm going up a set of stairs when I was out afterward, and there was a guy on the phone talking to somebody, probably his wife, and he's like, they're making buildings with bees. <laughs> and he was so excited, and this guy had to be in his 70s. And, and he got it. I mean, he was excited, yeah, and good. I thought it was that's really... Good. Really cool. So I know that she did connect with a lot of people Good. in that room. She got a standing ovation. It was, oh, awesome. it was fantastic. All right. So after the keynote, uh, she kind of ran right up until the last minute. And then everybody jammed out of there. And we ended up... Ran for coffee. Running for coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we ended up ditching the convention together. Neil, what, what did you say? I'm getting the hell out of here. It's a perfect day out. It was, yeah. it was a beautiful day here in Philadelphia today. It was, I don't know, 70, mid-70s or High something. 70s, High 70s. High 70s. Like, yeah. Beautifully breeze. sunny. And um, 
Tomorrow's supposed to be like maybe 60 degrees and rainy. Yeah. So, the, I mean, we're leaving, to, you know, after tomorrow and to, to tomorrow being our only uh, really full day to kind of see Philadelphia. Just wanted to get out and see the city. So we ventured out and uh, wandered around Philadelphia with, uh, with a friend of the show, actually, to yeah. uh, kind of show us around a little bit. Yeah. Local friend who uh, knows everything. He uh, he's, he's an interesting guy because he's... Uh, Got an architecture degree, but um, is not in the architecture profession, and he um, is just so excited about his city and loves to show us, you know, everything around. So I'll go ahead and say it. Thank you, John Cruz. You did a great job. I mean, um, you just translated your passion uh, for the city and the passion for architecture, and hell, you're even passion for art because you're a fantastic photographer, and you gave us a really nice experience. Yep. Can't be beat to have a, a specialized tour guide in the city that you're visiting. Absolutely. And it, it made a very high level of intensity for us today because it was like we hit all these sites. We walked oh, yeah. like 20,000 steps today. <laughs> we did like 25 flights of stairs and, and we were jamming and oh, yeah. we packed it in. But man, talk about a whirlwind trip and we couldn't have done it without him. So thanks, John. Absolutely. So we, where do we start? Where was the, the first place we went? Independence Park, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we, we started with Independence Park. We we walked through there. We know that we were going to um, go back there later, so we really didn't go to uh, see Independence um, Hall or go to the Liberty Bell because, of course... The line was five miles long. <laughs> the line was five miles long. Uh, all of the school trips and families and everything else were there, so it was a little... It, we wouldn't have had the day that we had if no. we would have stopped there, no. so... We, um, we got to, what, trespass pass through George Washington's house, right? Prior to the White House, and yes. the yes, um, that's right. U.S. Capitol was here, and while the White House was under construction, um, uh, George Washington and half of um, John Adams were, they were in um, Half here. of him? Half of half him. Of- half of him or half of his administration was, was here. He was actually... John Adams was the first president to occupy the White House, but uh, before that, he was here, and it was on the grounds in Independence Plaza, and um, we were trying to make our beeline to go and get some cheesesteaks, but in while we were doing that, we were hitting you know all these different architectural spots, so we hit that. We walked past the Ben Franklin's... Um, you know, printing operation and the first uh, U.S. post office. The first U.S. post office. Ben Franklin had a little thing with that too. Um, then just we went a to, little, just a little. <laughs> um, and then uh, um, you know what was great? Let me just sidebar here again. John was like so full of knowledge oh, yeah. about his city. So not only were we <laughs> totally going to these architectural office. places, but you know we got a little bit of insight. You know, both on the historical side and just you know his impression of the architecture and everything else. And that again just made the whole thing fun. Yeah, it was super cool. And we went to uh, Benjamin Franklin's um, house or the remains thereof. And Uh, um, foundations. Yeah, the the foundations are there. And, uh, you know, the the framing of where it would have stood and approximating what it would have been. Now, from what I know historically, they don't really know because he didn't have any drawings. There was sketches that were printed in the newspaper and stuff, but they really didn't have like a full understanding of what it was and they couldn't tell quite the full layout of it from the foundations and stuff but this is a close approximation of 
uh, Ben's house. Um, but I love it. I love the the steel frame. It's such a clear idea, right? And the way that it it just uh, you can really imagine what it was like mm-hmm. to be there. Like the amount of space between the houses. You know, there's right. multiple buildings there. There's this tunnel that kind of goes right through the middle of them, and that's even uh, made out of steel. So really cool, just kind of thin elements floating in the air that give you this outer framework of the size of the of the the buildings that he was in that was just such a a neat idea i love it and the most important stop of the day was campos campos Campos. that's right campos cheesesteaks my god that was good (laughs) that was long wait but it was because everybody knows it was a good place to go and um, good food Uh, so then we kept on walking we stopped by what was the Christ, church? Christ, Christ Church? Christ Church, where there's been there was a there was a very impassioned um, docent, yes, who was who felt oh, like he should have been on the pulpit rather than on you know giving a tour. He should have been preaching, but he sort um, of was preaching actually. But he but, but he was definitely full of some some good history. Uh, then we uh, kind fun of fun to listen to. And um, and what was great about that is that what was it? Seven of the signers of the Declaration. Um, did they were they buried? They're there? buried there yeah, on, on the grounds there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a, a marble plaque noting that their their remains are buried on premises there. Pretty pretty interesting. Very. And then we went to Elfers Alley. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so the significance was. It is the oldest continuously used street. Lived, lived in street, street in America. Yeah. And there according are people, to John. Oh, well, no, not even according to John. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the plaque said it. Yeah. John said oh, it. Oh, okay. Um, you know, people were, like, going in and out of their house. And, I don't people know live there, yeah. People, yeah. People, actually, people still live there. There, there, is, there are t- tours going up and down this small alley. There's cobblestones. There's, uh, there's height. There's doors. There's this is... The, this Basement is pre-revolutionary shutters. war dwellings yeah, it was, that are still continuously lived in. And there was even one for sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, called Walt Banker. Called Banker sign on it. Exactly. So, I'm sure it's not that expensive. Yeah, exactly. yeah right. <laughs> you know, I don't know how they would put up with um, tourists being, all the know, time. The, the tourists. You, you live in a tour or in a. I mean, you'd be the right word. I mean, you, people are looking at your houses all day long. And that's just kind of an understanding that you have going into buying right. a place like right. that, is that you know it's going to be like that. Right? Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, it was explained to us that, you know, they're just, they're going to be um, just part of the thing, you know. Part of your house is all of the tourists who are going to be coming by, taking it's pictures. Like, public, and you're living in a public building. Yeah, yeah. Well, almost. You're yeah. living in a fish tank. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. Really amazing building. So oh, it was it was beautiful. And, and the shape they're in great shape. I mean, everything concerned. Yeah, we'll definitely put a picture of that place because it was fantastic. Um, where where did we go after that, Neil? We we, we hit the subway. We hit the subway. Ah, uh, the subway. That or was the L. Nice. The <laughs> L, not the subway. The L. The L. Yeah. Even though it is, no, that's what John sub. said. Yeah, I know they call it an L, but it's not elevated. It's, it's not yeah. elevated. Yeah, it's, not, it's not the part it's, we it's were. It's not on. elevated. It was definitely underground, and I know John's probably listening to this. Like, shut up, you. <laughs> but um, he can correct us in the comments. Yeah, but uh, it, it was definitely not a DC type of metro stop. There, it was a. Uh, it, no. it, it was salty. It, it had its uh, flavor. 
but it was cool. <laughs> it was definitely cool. And uh, it was nice to not be on our feet for a while. So we <laughs> rode to City Hall yep. and got out there and worked our way up. First, we stopped at Logan Square. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Logan right. Square. Logan Square, the fountains, and we got to see that. That was that What was, was interesting really nice. about that was the conversation that John was telling us about the, what was it, the stone carver or the... Um, sculptor who did was it William Penn's statue? Yes, yeah. Then, his son did the statue and, at uh, Logan Square, and then his son did the statue at Logan Square, and then his son was a sculptor who had artwork displayed at the art museum. Right. So it was like you know three generations of sculptors All along that, that you know avenue. that are part of Philadelphia history. That's awesome. So then we went to the, back so to the barn, we but to this time we went inside, and oh. My Lord, what a religious experience for me! Yeah, it was yeah. it was amazing, and I, I thought I could talk about the architecture for days. I'm sure you could talk uh, about could the talk art about, for I days. I could talk about the art for days, and it was fantastic. And there's a you can just go buy the fifty dollar book. And... You couldn't <laughs> shake a stick without hitting a Cezanne or a Renoir. I mean, I'm Perfect. walking through awesome. these, and, and literally, I was getting weepy and misty over. The, I would think looking at these rooms, and you know. There's times where we only maybe have like, you know, the ability to see like one or two on display in a traveling exhibit. <laughs> but there's it is like room after room <laughs> after room after room after room. It, it was just amazing, and they're like just scattered all over. The, oh, look, Cezanne, 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 Renoir, Manet, Monet. You know, it was just like, oh my lord, this Each was room just was filled with probably fifty different paintings. And probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like I don't know hundreds of millions per uh, room, maybe priceless. Of, I mean. Well, yeah, priceless for sure. Well, but, there was lots you know, of amazing ironwork, right? Rod oh, ironwork. Yeah. Oh yeah, hanging on well, the walls. Well, but each room was basically duplicated the way he actually had them displayed in his yeah, house. Let me, right? Let me, yeah, and or, so well, just real quick. Okay. So I'm, I want to just throw this out there. There's a great documentary, and I believe it's still on Netflix, called Art of the Steel. And it's about how the um, Barnes Foundation was basically, uh, you know, I, I won't say um, abducted from the uh, private foundation after Arthur Barnes died, but it was an, it's an interesting way of how the art went from suburb um, suburbia. I uh, was I can't remember exactly where John said it was at his house, right? But it was his, at his house yeah, outside um, of the city. Outside of the city, just in a suburb, and it was, and the city had been trying to get that collection for years, for decades. And the only people who had access to it were his his wife's students. Yeah, right. And yeah. and his friends. Yeah. I mean, and and that's what was amazing to me is that you're looking at all of this artwork. This is this is an incredible, I mean, unexplainable collection of artwork, and it was just in his house. You know, like, oh, yeah, so the bathroom is, you know, two doors down, go past the Saison and the Renoir, <laughs> you might have to step over the Rodin, you know, I can't remember if I'm using it as a doorstop, but don't, it's over don't, there. Don't wipe your hands on the Van Gogh. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, you know, and it was just amazing, and, you know, I'm, I don't want to drone on forever because it could be a very long show if I do, but, I mean, and, and the, then the architecture. And the architecture oh is... They had to do something to yeah. justify moving this, and this is it is yeah. an amazing solution, and it is 
an experience in itself. Oh, it, you know, I mean, we were smitten by it yesterday when we were just, just on, on the outside, just on the outside, and the inside did not disappoint. Nope. And so we'll we'll include a, a link to that. Uh, I think there's a, a link to it on Arc Daily, but there's also a, a monograph on that building itself. Yes. Um, it was the details are wonderful. It is it is just an amazing place to experience, and it really does put the art on display. Um, and the building does really feel kind of background. I know because they did try to replicate a lot of the rooms that were in Barnes's home yeah. uh, that the art was displayed in to replicate how it was displayed in his home, which was yeah. important. I mean, once you're inside the building, actually, and going through each of the rooms, you felt like you were walking through somebody's house. Right. But... It didn't feel like a museum. The detailing was impeccable. It was oh, yeah. it was just the natural daylight. I mean, it's there's so many things to go on and on about. It's something that you should definitely experience if you're in Philly. Yeah, and one of the things I'd like to do is I'd like to find out why he hung it the way he did because it wasn't it, to me it seemed haphazard, but to him it was definitely deliberate. But um, you know, you had uh old 1500 Flemish art right. sitting next to a Renoir and a Cezanne. And there was a lot of Renoir and Cezanne. That's why I keep saying Renoir and Cezanne so much because wow, there was a lot. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was amazing that it was, it was a little, it seemed disjointed, but it all worked. It all flowed properly together. It felt right. Maybe it was a mood thing or maybe, I don't know, because they all kind of felt similar, you know? It was, kind of, it was pretty cool. So again, amazing, amazing, amazing all, all around. So after yeah. that, we, we got out of there and we went to Neil's. Neil had to do the rice. I had to make the pilgrimage to, uh, to, the, um, to see the Rocky statue, of course, and, and run up the steps, which um, I think somebody videoed me doing that. Yeah, they did. So, uh, yeah, that will never appear anywhere, but... Uh, <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> let's hope. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, you know, I've been a Rocky fan for a long time and, and kind of grew up with the character. So to finally be here in Philadelphia and, and to have the opportunity to run up the steps and see the statue and, um, and do that. And my, my son's become a, a big fan, and we went and saw the most recent movie, Creed, and... So I, I texted him the photos too. I'm kind of I'm a few hours ahead of him right now, so I, I'm not sure what his reaction is yet. But mm-hmm. I'm, hopefully he'll be thrilled. So um, that was great, and I appreciate you guys walking all the way up there for that one because it was a little bit of a walk. But um, it was but it, it was, was a beautiful day to do it though. It was pretty, pretty funny how John said uh, that Philadelphia's most famous modern uh, person is fictional. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they thought uh, it's kind well, of. It's and kind and of he funny. also mentioned that 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 statue of Rocky is is like one of the most photographed yep. um, things in all of Philadelphia. Yep, and I actually heard a tour bus driving by saying the same thing. They yeah. said this is the most photographed area in the whole city, and it's it's a fictional character. <laughs> there is a line twenty, thirty people deep to get their yeah. picture taken with Rocky with their power pose going on, and right. then uh, there's. There was quite a few people running the steps. Oh, there's, there's, yeah. In fact, John was uh, mentioning that. Uh, I mean, people run up and down those steps uh, sometimes as exercise, but but just random visitors are doing. And I mean, we 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 were walking up to the steps. I was noticing. Oh, there goes another person. There goes another person. Yeah. And some people went up like one flight and then stopped. <laughs> because, they, but uh, but I did make it all the way up. Not not no problem. 
<laughs> in case anyone was wondering. You better so, you run marathon. I, I know. There was no problem. I ran right up it. So even in my Didn't jeans even break and dress shoes. So, um, yeah, I was not in my running shoes for this <laughs> one. But it, it was great. And then actually, actually, at the top, they had... Uh, they made uh, the Philly love sign in Spanish mm-hmm. for the Pope when right. he came recently. So right. that was pretty cool. That, that was cool. And then where'd we go after that? We kind of made our way all the way back, right? Yep. That was about it. That yeah. was about Getting it. ready for day three. Day so, three. So tomorrow we, we're expecting rain. Ice we're ex- in our feet. We're expecting <laughs> to, uh, to hit the show floor and catch up with a bunch of uh, booths and things like that. And at two o'clock is Rem Coolhouse yep. delivering the day three keynote. So we'll see if he can live up to the keynote that happened today with, with Neri Oxman. It's going to bring the heat. Hopefully he does, and uh, we'll be telling you about it in a in a wrap up show after the uh, the AIA convention is all wrapped up in a, in about a week. Yeah, so I think that that's about it for this episode, and and really this is our last episode we'll be doing uh, directly here in Philly. So, um, but as Evan mentioned, we'll we are going to do a, a special fourth episode, kind of a follow up. And we'll have that out pretty soon, and we'll just kind of recap uh, the day three and and some other things that happened uh, throughout the week. Um, so and, and including hopefully some of the interviews and things that uh, we were working on here. So I just want to say thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in to these uh, special episodes from Philly, and thanks again to our cat too, by the way, for uh, sponsoring these special conference episodes of Arca Speak. So we'll uh, we'll see everyone soon, and um, it's been a great time here in Philly. Really appreciate the the city's been a fantastic host. Fantastic. Yep. Thanks everybody. Thanks so. Put them back in their place. They could go.
Cross their face Baby, let's pretend We're done.